There we are. That is on. Wow. Worship is good, huh? Beautiful. It's fun we're going to get eternity just to keep doing that. I wonder what it's going to be like. Can you imagine? What, what kind of sounds are we going to have? I mean, we probably won't be restricted to the instruments that we know of. David heard some of those sounds and had to create new instruments to figure out how to make the sounds that he was hearing. There's a little verse that's in there that says that that he invented instruments. I wonder what it's going to be like to have those kinds of sounds, the, the, the sounds that actually give full expression to the atmosphere that is in the heart of the Father. I wonder about stuff like this. I cannot wait to find out. Hmm. I love when I come up here and I feel like the Lord is calling an audible. Um, so I think I know what I'm going to talk about. We'll get started and we'll see if we, we end up there. Uh, like Kent was saying, John Paul gave us an inheritance of equipping the saints. And one of the things that we really take seriously is helping to equip believers to hear the voice of God. Um, and so I, I always bring some stuff. So in the back, you'll, you'll see some of our resources. I'm going to just mention a couple things that I think will help you. Uh, and then we'll, we'll jump into where we're going. Um, one, how, ma- how many like really weird experiences with God? Me too. I've had some, but not not like John Paul did. There was a a time, about five-week period. Uh, John Paul, well, not not just for five weeks. He would run for five miles every day. It was one of the things he would do in the morning just to to try to stay healthy. Uh, And so he he started that the last probably 15 years that he was living. That that was his practice. So during his five-week period, uh, he, he went out running started running, and the next thing he knew, he was standing in a uh, wilderness setting looking at the tabernacle of Moses, and someone was standing right here that he was never able to see that gave him a tour through the tabernacle and explained different elements that were there. And uh, he, he was able to share that experience. It happened to him five different times. He would go out running, he would go into this tour, it would stop, and when he came out of it, uh, some car would slow down or, or stop close to where he was at. A couple times they threw rocks at him, just barely missing him. One time they threw a 44-ounce red slushy, hit him right in the back of the head, went, went down his back. As uh, soon as he comes out of the experience, this happens, and they squeal off yelling obscenities at him. Um, Obviously, the enemy didn't like something that was happening and started riling things up. Uh, and the next time it happened, which was random, it was you know, maybe a week later or you know, four or five days later, it was different each time, uh, he would pick up the, the vision right where it stopped. And uh, after I listened to John Paul explaining what, what he did, I, I've been studying the tabernacle for about 20 years. I realize a lot of that stuff is stuff that you can see in Scripture. Some of it is is stuff that I've never heard anybody teach. And so I I put together uh, from 
some of his experience, some of the study that I've done in Scripture and reading other people, uh, a teaching, it's, it's four messages on the tabernacle of Moses that it explains how it gives us a pattern, one, of what heaven is like and understanding the nature of God, but two, how to go deeper in the spiritual life. Um, so I, I think this is going to be really helpful. And can, I'm going I'm to ask you, if you don't mind just helping out, I don't know who to give this to. You want to just hand it to somebody. Thank you. Anybody? <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> um, so the, the other thing I've got is a little teaching on dreams. I'm going to talk a little bit about dreams this morning, I think. Um, and and it's, this, this is just an introduction to help you to understand, one, how does God use dreams? How do you respond to dreams? And how do you recognize if a dream is from God, if it's from you, or if it's from the enemy? The ones from the enemy are usually pretty easy to figure out. But uh, we, we teach through that and, and just develop the, this understanding that dreams are intended to be a relationship tool to draw you closer to the Lord. It's not just weird information that's kind of cool to get. It's actually God developing relationship and drawing you into relationship. And one of the reasons he speaks in dreams is because you don't understand it. Which means that you have to keep on talking to him to figure out what it means, which is his goal. Because his goal is not to get you to do something. He could do it a lot easier without you. But he wants to be with you. And so he invites you along in the process. And so... Um, if, if we can keep that foundation of dreams, uh, it, it, will, it will shift our, our thinking about them. So, yes. Right here. <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing we've, we've got, and we, we've got more than, more than this, but I didn't want to talk about everything over there, um, is this book on dream elements. Uh, John Paul spent a number of years studying through every dream and experience in Scripture. And uh, when I started learning about dream interpretation, uh, he, he kind of started that journey for me. I, I also went back and did that, that study, uh, not looking at what he did specifically, obviously having learned his conclusions, but, but going through that and developing an understanding of how God uses this language. Because... God loves to speak in metaphor. It says in in Matthew chapter 13, verse 34, that Jesus never spoke outside of a parable, that everything he said was a parable. So even if you think that you understand it, realize that there's metaphor in it. That will help some of us in our understanding of Scripture. And so from that, there, there are things that you can understand in the way that God uses metaphor. And it, it's not an exact science. Uh, if you know other languages, it's difficult if you try to take one word and just exchange it for a different word in a different language, or the same word in a different language, and try to put the sentence together. It just doesn't work. right? But if you understand the concepts, and if you understand why this fits together and how the sentence works, then all of a sudden you can put it together and figure out what somebody is saying. And, and dream interpretation really is just learning the language of heaven. It's starting to understand that. And so 
I, I have this allergy to what uh, John Paul coined as interpretive legalism. This always means that. Uh, and when you get that kind of understanding, well, this always means that. Car always means ministry. There, there's going to be dreams you're not going to understand because car doesn't always mean ministry. Sometimes it means something else. And then sometimes God just uses it in a particular way for a particular person, and it would never mean that again. So how can you start thinking about metaphor so that instead of trying to get somebody else to give you a mystical cipher so you can figure out your dreams, that it actually becomes a way of engaging with the Lord to understand what it means? And so instead of putting like a normal dictionary, you've got an alphabetical list of a bunch of things and then it has a definition afterwards. I I wrote a chapter on a number of different elements and then explaining what they might mean in this dream and how it would change in this kind of dream, understanding context, um, how how it would modify with different other elements that, that come together with it. And it teaches you how to think about dream elements rather than what to think about dream elements. Um, And then what we did is on a number of the chapters, there's a little QR code in there that you can scan and it takes you right to a YouTube video where we talk about that element and you can just hear it from another perspective. So um, somebody was woken up, was anybody woken up last night with a dream? That, that, this first hand I saw was right here, the black. If you would like this. Um, do you mind? Thank you very much. Yeah, she's right, right there. Yep. Yay. Yay. I am still trying to make sure I'm going in the right direction. I share something real quick as we're getting started. Uh, how many of you know somebody that moved to Texas? Uh, I'm from Texas. Well, I'm living in Texas right now. I'm not really from Texas, but I got there quickly. Um, so I, I figure it might be helpful to understand why so many people want to live in Texas. Because Texas basically has everything. If you're not from Texas, you may not realize how much we have. If you're in Texas and you need to be cheered up, um, now these are actual cities in Texas. You can go to Happy Texas, you can go to Pep Texas, you can go to Smiley Texas, you can go to Paradise Texas, Rainbow Texas, Sweet Home Texas, Comfort Texas, or Friendship Texas. If you like the sun, you can go to Sun City Texas, Sunrise Texas, Sunset Texas, Sundown Texas, Sunrise Texas, Texas, Sunnyside, Texas, and Sunnyvale, Texas. If you get hungry, you can go to Bacon, Texas, Noodle, Texas, Oatmeal, Texas, Turkey, Texas, Trout, Texas, Sugarland, Texas, that's a good one, Salty, Texas, Rice, Texas, and we also have Sweetwater, Texas. And if you want to travel but don't want to leave Texas, you can go to Detroit, Texas, Colorado City, Texas, Denver City, Texas. Klondike, Texas, Nevada, Texas, Memphis, Texas, Miami, Texas, Boston, Texas, Santa Fe, Texas, Tennessee Colony, Texas, and Reno, Texas. And if you want to go around the world without leaving Texas, you can also go to Athens, Texas, Canadian, Texas, China, Texas, Egypt, Texas, Ireland, Texas, Turkey, Texas, London, Texas, New London, Texas, in case you don't like the old one, and Paris, Texas. 
And if you want to go to Washington, D.C., but don't actually want to go to Washington, D.C., we do have White House, Texas. And if you're not sure where you want to go, you just go to Earth, Texas. It has it all. If you get exhausted, you can go to Energy, Texas. Or if you get cold, you can go to Blanket, Texas. If you need office supplies, we do have Staples, Texas. And if you have kids, you you could take them to Kermit, Texas, to Elmo, Texas, to Nemo, Texas, to Tarzan, Texas, to Winnie, Texas, or to Sylvester, Texas. We've got it all. And just other funny names of cities in Texas that might make you smile. We have Frognot, Texas, Bigfoot, Texas, Hogeye, Cactus, No Trees, Best, Very Best, Kickapoo, Dimebox, Old Dimebox, Telephone, Telegraph, and Twitty. And if you're a little bit of a cowboy, you can go to Cut and Shoot, Texas, Hoop and Holler, Texas, Ding Dong, Texas, or Mule Shoe, Texas. Those are all real places. Funny enough, it's closer to, if you're in El Paso, Texas, it's closer to get to California than it is to get to my home in Dallas. Texas is huge. Well... Jesus, we just invite you to come. We, we want to hear your voice. We, we want to be a people that are marked by your presence. Lord, would you let the prayer of Moses just come and saturate into our hearts and in our minds. Lord, if you don't go with us, don't send us anywhere. We need your presence. And Lord, the, the church desperately needs your, ch- your presence. How, how would we be set apart from all the other peoples in the earth unless you go up with us? Lord, that's what we're asking. Don't let us go about business as usual without your presence, without your glory residing on us. We need you and we want you, God. We want you to come. We want you to speak to us. We want you to show us what it is that you're doing. Lord, and draw us into your plan because you have good plans for this earth. You have good plans for our families, for our communities, for our cities, for our state, for this nation. Lord, come. Lord, come. Father, I'm asking that you would just begin to unravel thought processes that hinder us from valuing your voice the way that we should. Lord, where where the things that we have learned from man make it harder to learn from you, Would you begin to shift the way that we think? Would you reset our understanding, God? We want to know you. Not just know about you. We want to know you. We we don't want to just be on your fan club. We want to be friends. We want to be close to you. We want to be intimate friends with you. We want our lives marked 
with your voice speaking, guiding, healing, redeeming, directing, warning, all the wonderful things that you do. Father, we we, we just declare that this time that we've set aside to be with you, that it is holy time. It's consecrated to you. It's consecrated to your purposes. Lord, this space, those of us, those that are online, the space that they're sitting in, that this this space is holy space consecrated to you, that we, we give it to you. And Lord, we we ask that You would come and You would meet with us. Would You anoint the words that are spoken that they would carry something of value, Lord, because unless You touch them, they're just noise. Would You anoint the words that are spoken that they would carry revelation that would allow information to become more than information so that we can experience real transformation. That only comes by Your Spirit. Lord, we do not rely on wise words and good arguments. We rely on the power of God. Lord, we trust You. Just let that sense of holiness continue to increase upon us, God. As You draw near, Lord, let our awareness of Your presence increase. Lord, it's so easy just to get caught up in, in church. We just do it. We, it's every week we come and we... Lord, this is holy. We get to come before You. We get to stand before the living God. Lord, anchor us in reality that's so much deeper than what we can see and feel and touch. Thank you, Papa. Hmm. Well, I do want to talk a little bit about dreams this morning. There's a lot of different thoughts about dreams, and you, um, different, different people that have different understandings. When I was in the seventh grade, I was in physical science class and they were talking about the human body and how the brain operated and so they, they explained dreams that you know we have all this stimulus that comes in we go about the day the every car that you saw every tree every plant every everything that you experience through the whole day it's all going in you don't even pay attention to just a minute percentage of it but it all goes in and then it's got to figure out some place to land so while you're sleeping all of those random things that you haven't figured out how to process yet, are processing through your brain trying to figure out where they land so that you don't go crazy. Because they, they've proven that if somebody doesn't dream, you, you actually go nuts. You, you cannot stay sane if you do not dream. 
Um, not, not everybody remembers their dreams, but everybody that sleeps dreams. And so you, the, the, this understands. So that, that's what they came up with. But if that's the case, then there's no messages that come from dreams. All right, and, and even before you start looking at the biblical record, I mean, your own experience tells you that, well, for most of us, that there are messages that, that come from dreams. And we can look at, at historically at, at the things that have happened that, that have come from dreams. So that, that, there's got to be something more to dreams than just electrical impulses that happen inside of the brain while we're sleeping. One of the other ideas, as, as people are trying to figure this out, and it comes from a couple teachers by the name of Sigmund Freud and, and Carl Jung, is this idea that, that dreams are actually your subconscious, what they call the, the psyche, which is the Greek word for soul, where the Bible would translate as soul. Your dreams are actually your soul, trying to figure out uh, how to make you better and how to get you to a place where you are more whole. And so if Sigmund Freud... His understanding is that you know, it was based off of the, the theory of evolution. We're all basically just animals, so we all have basic animal instincts, but we live in a culture of people that don't think it's appropriate for us to, to fully expose those animal instincts to procreate, to feed, to protect. Um, and, and so we, we have to suppress those things, and suppressing those things creates mental breaks, and that's actually the root of all mental illness. Uh, that's the basic philosophy underneath Sigmund Freud's psychoanalysis. And, and, and when you think about it that way, and what he explains dreams are, it, dreams is your subconscious trying to bring to the surface those animal instincts that you've suppressed. Now, that... Obviously, there, there's some real problems with that concept. I mean, just, just the root of it, for one, there, there's no place for a creator. There's no place for a value in humanity. There, there's no place for a good. And, and really, all, all we are is just we're, we're here to continue to dominate and take whatever we can for ourselves so that we can survive. That, that creates a lot of problems if you try to live with other people. Right? So, so there, there's something inherently wrong with that concept. And then you go to Carl Jung, who, who studied with Freud, and they, they became uh, kind of co-workers in a lot of ways. But Carl Jung developed his, his own understanding of dreams. And his came from his background. He, he, wasn't, um, he, he wasn't as uh, set on the theory of evolution. He'd grown up in a quote-unquote Christian home. His father was a pastor. But in a time in Europe where it was very cultural to be Christian, kind of like it is in Texas. Like, you're, you're Texan, so you're Christian. Now, that's starting to change, but a lot of Texans still think that. Um, you, know, you, you have this idea. I mean, it used to be in America. You know, people thought, well, I'm in America. I'm basically, I'm, I'm Christian. But that's how Europe was at that period of time. And so it wasn't actual a, a genuine faith. And you, you study his life, and that, that's, I'm not being uh, judgmental. I mean, he would say that himself. He really questioned his faith. And, and, and he loved the, the, the mystical side of things. He became fascinated with idols. He became fascinated with ancient religions. Um, yeah. Rabbit trail that I don't need to follow. So I'm just letting that one go. Um, 
And, and because of that, he developed this understanding of dreams that, that comes from the, the idea that we're all connected. And every myth actually has its origin in the collective subconscious of humanity because we all are actually God trying to remember that we're God. Yeah, that's a good response to that one. <laughs> and so this, this understanding, he developed this idea of dream interpretation that's based off of archetypes. But the idea, well, we're all connected to this universal subconscious, and so every person has both a feminine side and a masculine side. And so if there's a guy in your dream, that's your masculine side. A girl in your dream, that's your feminine side. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female, you, you have both. If you have a child in your dream, that's your, that's your inner child. All right? you, you have somebody that does something great, that's the hero, because everybody wants to be a hero. Uh, or, or a victim. There, there's these archetypes that, that concepts uh, of humanity that, that we get. And, and when you understand the dreams, your dreams are telling you what you need to, to, to realize who you are, to truly find yourself, because when you find yourself, you'll admit that you are powerful and that you are one with God. You actually are God. That's a problem. Now, if you do a little bit of study, you'll find that Carl Jung, uh, we just recently, last 20 or 30 years, was released a, a, a book called The Red Book. It has a Latin name, and I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. I would not suggest reading it unless you really feel like you're supposed to, but it is his journal where he was having encounters with a spirit that called itself the Zeitgeist, which means the spirit of the age. And this spirit was discipling him. And some of the things that it told him, like in one place, this is an exact quote from the book, says that um, when Jesus went to hell, he became the dragon. He was the Antichrist. And until people accept their darker side, they cannot become whole. Yeah. You, you realize this was a principality that was training him. Now, if you study Jung, you'll you realize that most of what we think about what's good and bad in our culture is based off of his philosophy that he got from this principality. It's really scary. Really scary. But... Clearly, there's some issues with that. Neither one of them had an idea that dreams could come from outside of you. Dreams were your psyche doing your psyche thing. They originated from inside of you. It's you talking to you so that you can become better. And if you can talk to you so that you can come, become better and you actually become better, there's no need for a savior. If you, if you can fix yourself, you don't need anybody to save you. It's one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to actually really receive Jesus Christ because people still think they can fix themselves. They still think they just need a little bit of help to get better. They don't actually need a Savior that's going to redeem them from something that they cannot escape on their own. And so we have to come to this reality. But when you, there's another, a third philosophy when it comes to dreams. And it's a philosophy that 
that is in Scripture, but it's also had echoes in, in a lot of different cultures. The, the ancient Egyptians believed that dreams were messages from outside before the time of Joseph. So it's not because Joseph came that they developed a value for dreams. They, they had the first dream dictionary ever written. Um, it's not very helpful. I've looked at some of what's in there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it has a lot to do with their gods and their mystical system that, that's there. But they had a high value for dreams and believed that they were messages to help people, which is one of the reasons why that, that value system allowed Pharaoh to make the decision to put Joseph in uh, as the leader of the nation because he was able to interpret the dreams. Because he, he's, he's able to give us the, the knowledge that is hidden from normal people. We, we have to have this. When you get into the, the Hebrew culture, there, there's clearly a value from dreams. You, you go from Genesis to Revelation, you've got dreams. It, it, it's throughout Scripture. You, you have Abraham, what we often call Abraham the, the father of the faith. Right? He, he was the person that was called. He was given this covenant, this promise. I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to all the nations. By your seed, I, I'm going to bless everyone. Right, this understanding that, that his, his call was, was as the people of God. And Paul says that he, he's our father when it comes to how we walk in faith. Well, that promise that he got came to him in a dream. In Genesis chapter 15, he, he has this experience where, where, where God comes to him, starts talking to him, and he makes covenant. He, he cuts the animals in pieces, and then God walks through in the vision of a flaming fire pot, and this torch that, that moves through there, and it says, And a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and God spoke to him and gives him this covenant. Isaac gets his covenant when he, it says at night, and it doesn't clearly say that he was sleeping, but it says that night God came to him when he finally went down to Beersheba after his father had passed away. He, he gets that night, he gets his promise of the exact same covenant. And Jacob, probably one of the more famous dreams in Scripture, where, where he lays down, he sees the ladder with the angels ascending and descending and God standing there and reiterates the same covenant that he'd given to his grandfather and his father. The, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob declared himself and made promises to them through their dreams. That, that's given a lot of value to dreams. And, 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 you know, when I, I began to study and go through, there's, there's a lot more dreams in Scripture than I thought after I'd been interpreting dreams for 10 years. I, I figured, I was just thinking through. I'm like, oh, there's probably, what, you know, 10, you know, 15 dreams written out. There, there's over 30. There, there's a number of them. But if you were to take every verse in Scripture that is either an account of a dream or vision or is talking about a dream or vision, one-third of your Bible talks about dreams and visions. That's a lot. That's a lot. Right, here's something that's interesting. What, what's the average time that most doctors say people need to sleep per day? Seven or eight hours. Eight hours is what percentage of a day? One third. Huh. Think there might be a parallel there? And by the time you're, you're 60 years old, you're going to sleep 20 years. Do you think God would waste that time? <laughs> that 
He, he loves to speak to his people. And he gives dreams such value that when Jesus comes on the scene, that God speaks to his father dreams that saved Jesus' life. Think about the dream Joseph has. We'll make it a little bit more modern. Imagine a young couple, recently married. They've got a toddler, probably about 18 months old. And they they moved into a new city right when the baby was born, just started a new business. Things are starting to come together. They finally got a place to stay. They, They finally have a little bit of finances. Like Things seem to be stabilizing for this young family that's just getting settled. Well, two or three o'clock in the morning, middle of the night, husband wakes his wife up. Hey, get up. What? What's going on? Get the baby, grab the bags, whatever you need for the baby. I'm grabbing some stuff. We're packing the car. We need to leave. What? Just, 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 we got to hurry. Just grab the baby, grab your bags and get what you need. Get into the car. We're, we're leaving. We're moving to Canada right now. Can we we talk about this tomorrow? No, we have to go right now. Well, tell me why. I just had a dream. Shut up. Roll over and go back to sleep. And if Mary would have done that, Jesus would have been dead. Because they left that night. By the next day, Herod's men showed up and killed every child in Bethlehem. God put that much importance on a dream and expected Joseph to give it that much importance and expected Mary to give it that much importance even though she didn't get the dream. Now that sounds weird to us, doesn't it? Which says a lot more about us than it does about them. We do not think like God thinks. Our value system is not the same as God's. We've been so molded by our culture in ways that we don't even realize how molded by our culture that we are, that we read the Bible through the lens of our culture instead of letting the Bible read our culture. And we need to rethink. Now, there are a need for interpretation and understanding the principles of dreams. Because a dream like that, you're gonna, it's going to be clear. You're going to know exactly what you're supposed to do, and you're going to know that it's from God. God's not going to give you instruction that's that important in a very veiled way that you're not quite sure if it was a dream from the Lord. But when you know that you've heard from God, you, you must obey what God has said. That, that, that's the whole point. We, we've been called to follow Him. Not follow a bunch of rules. We've been called to follow Him. Which means that He's going to teach us. He's going to talk to us. He's going to give us instruction. He's going to be with us. And sometimes we've missed what God is saying because we didn't know to pay attention to it. Sometimes that happens because of the the things that we grew up with. Sometimes that happens because of the things that we've been taught. I mean, if you grew up and you were having nightmares, what's the most common thing that is said to a child having a nightmare? Oh, don't worry about it. It's not real. A great way to teach a kid how to ignore God. It's not real. It's not tangible. You can't prove it. You can't. I didn't see it, so it can't be true. 
because everybody can't have the same experience. Which, I mean, if you use that logic to Scripture, I mean, just throw your whole Bible away. Because most of it was experiences that people had that other people didn't have. And even people that were there with them. If you can't start trusting in the experiences when God comes and meets with you, you're going to miss a bunch of what God said. Now, we've been taught, because of our experiences, to to shut down dreams. Because if you were one that had those nightmares, I mean, two things happen. One, you, you, you were probably told to ignore your dreams. It's not real. Get over it. Remind yourself of what you know, right? Because that, that's the best way to, to, to deal with fear is strengthen your mind. Because we use the soul to control the soul. Instead of actually relying on the Spirit, inviting God, calling out to Him. If you have a child that's dealing with nightmares, the, the, the easiest and the best thing that you can do is teach them to invite God into their dreams. I have a friend of mine who, whose young son at the time was eight years old, was woke up a number of different times. It, it happened three or four times in a couple-week period, um, and screaming in terror from their dream. It, it took a couple times before the child would even talk about what the dream was. They couldn't get him to talk about the dream. They just they prayed with him, prayed with him, prayed peace, went back to sleep. A few days later, the same thing would happen again, then happen again. Finally, they get him to tell the dream. And in, in the dream, um, this witch was coming into his bedroom and telling him how, he was going to, how she was going to kill his whole family and said that if he ever told anybody that, he would do it, that she would do it right then. Now, that's tormenting. Right? And so they, they just explained, that, you know, the next time that witch comes into your dream... Tell the witch to go in Jesus' name. The witch has to go. It cannot do. That's not okay. God's going to protect you. And then they prayed for protection. Well, nothing was going on. It it was about a week later. They're they're wondering because he hadn't woke up screaming. So they asked, like, "Hey, did you ever have that? Did you have that dream again? Did the witch come back?" He goes, "Yeah, the witch came back. What? What did you do? I picked up a gun and shot her." And the parents are, you know, you, you don't have to do that. You could just tell her to go in Jesus' name. <laughs> and he goes, no, if that witch comes back, I'll shoot her again. <laughs> this was not in Texas, by the way. This was not in Texas. <laughs> now, I mean, the thing is, a gun represents authority. You point a gun at somebody and tell them to do something, they're probably going to do it. So a gun will often represent authority. He was just picking up his authority. It was just metaphor. It wasn't about the gun. It was about him realizing that he had the authority to deal with this. And he never dealt with that nightmare again. It was, it was gone. So if we start to teach our kids how to fight, the thing is the enemy is not going to wait until they grow up to attack them. We might as well actually give them tools now. They need the tools now. We may want to wait before they get into the battle. The enemy doesn't care. The reality is they're a lot more equipped to handle it than what we often think. 
Actually, kids find it much easier to operate in the spiritual world than adults do. They have a lot less to unlearn. It's a lot easier. So, nightmares. When, when that happens, a lot of people that have those experiences decide they just never want to dream again. Anybody have that happen? You were a kid, you had nightmares, and you're like, I never want to dream again. How many of you have, and you don't have dreams anymore? You don't remember your dreams? Very common. Very common. Here, here's here's how, to, how to handle that. Father, forgive me for telling you that I don't want to have dreams. I don't want to have dreams from the enemy, but I want to have dreams from you. Lord, would you give me dreams back? I want to hear from you. It's really that simple. It doesn't work. It's not really about the words, but those concepts. You, you just, I'm sorry I told you not to do it. I really want it. I just don't want the bad ones. Because, I mean, that's right. You don't want those dreams. And, and then just ask him to give you dreams back. If you do that, a lot of you, you you'll, you'll start having your dreams back. You, you'll start remembering them again. That, that fear does not have to control the rest of your life. And maybe you're not feeling the fear anymore, but it put a chain on you and you've just become comfortable with the chain. So you can get rid of it. So, repenting. Some of us, we, we just don't have any value for dreams. You know, we have dreams, we wake up and we ignore them. Oh, that was interesting. Laugh about it. And then we, we go on. If you haven't been valuing your dreams, it might be good to ask the Lord to show you dreams and make a commitment to do something with them. Because Jesus himself said, if, 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 if you're hearing something, seed, it's given, and you're not faithful with what you're hearing, then what you have is going to be taken away from you. So if, if God's speaking to you and you're not actually paying attention to it and valuing it, God will stop speaking to you. Not because he's mad. This is not doing any good. He'll find some other way of getting your attention. But he wants to have a conversation with you. And so if you're not hearing from him, start valuing the things that he says. If, if it's dreams... Find, find a way to record your dreams. I, I, I used to have a notebook. Now I, I use my iPad. It's so much easier. I don't have to turn on a light, wake my wife up when I wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, I mean, I used to I have to wake up and grab my, my notebook and go out into the other room as quietly as I could and turn on the light, write it down, and come back. Now I, I just I open up the, the iPad and I just write it down, and I, I keep dreams. And I can actually search. I can find every dream that I've had that's about my wife. I can find every dream that I've had that's about John Paul. I can find every dream, that, whatever subject it is. I just search it, and, and it's all right there. It's a great way to be able to, to, to recognize what it is that, that God is saying, to recognize themes, because often dreams come together, and, and you understand themes from your dreams, because some, sometimes a dream is, is not the whole paragraph. It's just one sentence out of the paragraph. And it fits in with other things that God is saying, sometimes in other dreams, sometimes in other ways, so that you can really recognize what it is that, that he's communicating. Start valuing it. Tell him that you're going to value it and, and really do it. Because if you do, you're going to find yourself having more dreams. And, and ask him to forgive you for not valuing. God, I've been ignoring you. 
Now, one thing that I've learned in, in teaching people how to hear from God is you, you actually don't need to learn how to hear from God. You need to unlearn how to ignore God. Because we, we've been taught our whole life how to ignore God. Stop playing games. Get out of your head and do something valuable. Come back to the real world. Ignore visions. Ignore those thoughts. Oh, there's... I, I can't see that. It must not be real. Like all those things. We, we just... We, we kind of learn to just shut it down and start ignoring it and stop paying attention to it. And, and we develop these habits of ignoring God. The best thing to do, God, I'm so sorry. I've been ignoring you. I didn't know I was ignoring you. I didn't want to ignore you, but I have been ignoring you. Would you please help me to recognize when you're speaking? I want to hear you. Sometimes it's that simple. And it starts to unlock things again. Get a value for dreams. Acts chapter 2, actually, Kent had mentioned this. Uh, he, Peter quotes Joel in talking about the outpouring of the Spirit. The last days I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my servants, both male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. This promise that, that the Spirit of God poured out on His people is going to look like an increase of prophetic activity, especially dreams and visions. Now, how many of you have ever had a dream in your life that you can remember? Ever. Ever. Okay. Now, just look around really quick. At, at Only a few of those are old men. <laughs> He's not trying to say the type of people that are going to be able to have dreams. He's including all the different types. Sons, daughters, young men, old men. All the different age groups, they're going to experience God. Now, there, there is an understanding of God's ways that makes it easier for us to understand what God is saying through dreams. Because there's a development that, that comes to be able to learn that language. And so there is a level of spiritual maturity for those that are going to be receiving messages through dreams on a regular basis to be able to understand them. But it has nothing to do with physical age. It's spiritual maturity. So when we begin to understand that, we start to have more of a value. God said that His Spirit was going to be dreams and visions. That means it's important. That means that we should pay attention to it. And, and, and until God says, by the way, I changed what I said, I'm no longer going to be giving dreams and visions, that stands. And there's no place in Scripture where that happens. So he, he's going to be speaking in dreams and visions, and the closer we get to the last days, the more that's going to happen. So where, wherever we're at in the timeline, we're closer than we were yesterday. And we're a lot closer than we were when Pentecost happened. Right? We're, we're in the time of dreams and visions. And he promises he's actually going to be pouring out his spirit on all flesh because he doesn't just talk to believers. You ever notice that? Sometimes we get this idea that God only speaks to those that are really spiritual and that are really pursuing him really well. And they get the inside track on God. You read the Bible? 
Do you realize how? I mean, we'll, we'll just look at a couple dreams. God gives a dream that talks about the major world powers that are going to be happening from the time of Babylon all the way through Rome, describing them and showing that the Messiah was going to come during the time of Rome and that that would start the era of the church where the mountain would rise above all the other mountains to a pagan king that didn't know God, that made Hitler look like a nice guy. And you read about Nebuchadnezzar and what Babylon. I mean, that nasty. And he gives that prophecy to him. Having an accurate, good prophetic word says nothing about the spiritual maturity of the person that received it. It says something about the God who spoke. It says nothing about the recipient. If we get that right, it'll do two things. One, we'll stop putting people on pedestals that don't deserve them. We should honor Christ-like nature, not giftedness. Giftedness is free. You don't even have to know God to have gift. But it takes maturity to look and act like Christ on a regular basis. That's worthy of honor. When we start switching that in the charismatic church, we'll have a lot less of the problems we've been having in the last 50 years. That right there would help a whole bunch. So, that I can't remember my second point because I got stuck on my first point. <laughs> that was a good point, though. Yep, I can't remember. Okay, it's gone. So, Valuing dreams. Oh, I was talking about other unbelievers. I mean, Pharaoh, we talked about that earlier. Uh, the, the first dream in Scripture was given to an unbeliever. Abimelech? Like, is this pagan king that Abraham happens to be around that took Sarah into his harem? And God shows up in his dream says, give the man back his wife or I'm going to kill you. I didn't mean it. Like, Believe me, if I would have known she was his wife, yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I'm actually warning you in a dream. But you better give her back or I will kill you. By the way, man is a prophet and he's going to pray for you, which is an interesting thing. It's also the first time anybody's called a prophet. And you notice what the function of the prophet is according to God? To pray, not to say. Primary function of prophet is to intercede and pray, not just to give messages. Anyways, that's another message for another time. In Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, and there's other dreams that are there, but um, in Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, God says very specifically that he's going to speak through dreams. It says, and he said, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all of my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. So God's normal way of speaking is going to be through dreams and visions. We need to have a little bit more value for our dreams and visions. Now how do you know if a dream is from God? It's not because you know that you know that you know. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you wake up like you know that you know that you know it's from God. Um, but 
a dream from God is going to carry God's character. Right? There's going to be light to it. There's going to be life in it. It's going to carry love. A dream from the enemy is going to carry the character of the enemy. It's going to make somebody prideful. It's going to have darkness. It's going to have fear. It's going to have anxiety. It's going to have tension. A dream from us carries our character. Something we already thought, something we already wanted, something that we already knew was true. When you have a dream that you already knew, don't assume that it's from God. Assume that it's from you. Start there. And then if you think that it might be from God, get other people that are outside of the situation that are actually spiritually mature that you haven't already convinced of what they should say. We do a really good job of that, right? Like, by the way, I had this dream and it means this. It's what it means, right? Unhelpful. (laughs) But when you realize that, get God to give you some more revelation if you think that it's actually a dream that comes from you. I I just hit a lot of different things. Really, my, my, my heart, what I wanted to do, I wanted to infuse a value and an impartation for dreaming here. I felt like that, that's, that's what was needed because a couple different things. Some of you, you, you've been having dreams and you haven't been recognizing the value of those dreams. And there's things that are essential for you and for the community that you're in that God has been speaking. And if you start valuing them and start learning how to understand them, uh, you, you'll be able to recognize more of what God is doing. And some of you, you, you need it healed because your dreams have been shut down. There's actually one more piece of healing that I think we're supposed to do. And then I'm going I'm to release an impartation. And it's this. How many of you used to have dreams that you thought were from God but haven't since the lockdown started? Would you, would you guys just stand up where you're at real quick? I, I just want to pray for that. Because one, one of the things that happens is that there's spiritual oppression, but there's also the, the, the pressure in our own soul, the, the anxiety, the fear. And some of it is external and some of it's internal. And when they come together, it, it just it, it makes it very hard. And, and I, it may not be everybody that's standing, but most of you, that, that's what's locked down your dreams. And I just want to pray release. We, we've had a number of prophetic words so far this morning about hope and God wanting to release hope. And God really does want to release hope. So Father, I am asking that the trauma of loneliness, of fear, of broken relationships, the the trauma of the burden bearers that picked up the atmosphere all the way around them when everybody got into fear and couldn't get out of that cloud of depression that came on them that was external. Lord, I'm asking that You would come and You would bring healing right now. Lord, that You would remove the trauma that was experienced. But Father, also I'm asking that You would come into the heart and that You would begin to heal the anxiety and the fear. Lord, and and where confusion has become a sentence instead of a question mark, you don't understand instead of, can I understand? Lord, where, where, where they began to believe that they couldn't understand what was going on or what was happening, Lord, I break that off of them right now. 
I break that off of them. They can understand. They may not, but they can. They can. They can hear from you. They can hear your voice. You did not leave them. You did not forsake them. You are drawing near. And so I'm asking right now for each one of these that you would draw near to their heart and that you would release that, that, that little touch of love, that, that little touch of hope into their heart, release light into them in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless them, Lord. And Father, I'm asking for this whole community this whole church body, that you would increase dreams and visions. Father, whatever you've placed upon Streams Ministries, whatever you've placed upon my life and the inheritance that I've been given to steward, I just release and I impart to each person that's here according to their ability to be faithful. I ask that you would give dreams. I ask that you would give visions. I, I ask that you would speak in the night seasons. That you would open up the door for visitations, for encounters. Lord, that you would touch them. That your voice would grow louder than it has ever been before. I'm asking for eyes to see and ears to hear in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I bless this body with dreams. And Lord, I'm asking that You would begin to release a greater understanding of dreams that a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of understanding would be released upon the ones that You've chosen to give understanding to those dreams in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I feel like there's more. Uh, this is such a good word. Um, and I feel like there's a little bit more that we're supposed to do here. Um, uh, but just as I was, you know, as we're listening to John, uh, I was feeling a little defensive of California, and I looked up that we have a, a city called Skidoo. <laughs> and uh, we have Zizix, ZZYZX, and uh, we've also got Death Valley. Oh, come so, on. Um, <laughs> Uh, there is something on this word of, you know, when you, when you said, John, about uh, that we, uh, that gifts are free, but there's something about this thing of the character. And sometimes, you know, in the character, the character gets weary. And just in this life, in the battles, in the world, sometimes it gets weary. I feel like there's more that God wants to release in this thing of this open heavens that, that John carries if um, you know maybe for some of you that already stood up or that would like prayer over this open heavens over dreams and vision would you just come forward we want to bless you and pray over you uh, we just believe that there this is a there this is a, a, a you know there's certain windows there's certain times of, of things being opened and we really believe that there's there's more that the Lord wants to impart even in this moment uh, there's things in dreams and in visions that re- just like the word that he said about with Joseph about direction. I had a very clear dream a few weeks ago as far as uh, uh, direction, as far as housing stuff. And the Lord just let and I feel like there's something that the Lord is doing in this in this hour about releasing dreams and visions. So would you, John, would you just say another prayer just yeah. over this group and we'll just enter in ministry team. If you would come forward and um, and pray and begin praying.
uh, over people in this area, and, and then we'll go into a time of worship. So, Father, we, we thank you for your voice that makes clear the path forward. Father, that's what I'm asking. I'm asking for clarity. I'm asking for clarity and I'm asking for vision. Lord, I, I thank you for strategies, for, for business strategies, for ministry strategies, for relational strategies being released by your voice. Father, I, I'm asking for your healing to be released. Lord, those areas that have begun to tarnish the character that we built in the previous season and we found ourselves falling into things in this last two years that we didn't used to fall into. Lord, I'm asking you would break that chain and you would release it right now. And you would put within them a spirit of excellence, a spirit of excellence, a spirit of excellence, a spirit of excellence, Lord. You would release holiness over your people. Holiness over your people. And Lord, that you would allow their light to shine. When it gets dark, the light shines brighter. Let their light shine and begin to take those that have been hidden underneath a basket and underneath the bed and put them on a shelf in this season. I'm asking right now, those that have been set aside, you would lift them back up, you would put them on a shelf, that you would give them the place of influence that you desired, the, the influence that they knew they were supposed to get, but it was stolen. Lord, we bless them with that in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, increase revelation. Open up heaven's activity in a greater measure than ever before. Just increase it. Increase the angelic. Increase revelation. Increase that sense of your presence, the abiding sense of your presence on each one of them in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, for, for those that have grief that has been stuck, that they haven't been able to process, Lord, I'm asking that you would begin to release stuck grief. And you would help them to process grief. Lord, give them permission. I know you already have, but let them feel it. Let them hear it. Permission to grieve the disappointments, the losses. But in every place where there's been a religious pressure to put on a smiley face and pretend everything is okay, Lord, just break that lie off of them right now. Break that lie off of them. We give them permission to grieve in the name of Jesus. 